Okay, we're going to read tonight in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. And we're going to talk tonight about the harvest of the Lord. The harvest of the Lord. And um, I don't know why the Lord sent this passage here, because uh, Pastor, Pastor George asked us uh, one time, how can we have a, an evangelistic create an evangelistic culture in church? And I was reading again from Matthew, and this, I found this passage. I read this chapter again and again and again. Where was Jesus uh, teaching? And I said, I want to teach about that. <clears throat> so, um, let us read here uh, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest. There is another story um, told by I think this man called his name is James White, a performed Baptist theologian, about a lighthouse keeper who worked on a rocky stretch coastline. Once a month, he would receive a new supply of oil to keep the light burning so that ships could safely sail near the rocky coast. One night, though, a woman from a nearby village came and begged him for some oil to keep her family warm. Another time, a father asked for some oil to use in his lamp. Another man needed oil to lubricate the wheel. Since all the requests seemed legitimate, uh, the lighthouse keeper tried to please everyone and grant all the requests. Toward the end of the month, he noticed his supply of oil was dangerously low. Soon, it was gone. And one night, the light of the lighthouse went out. As a result, that evening, several ships were wrecked and countless lives were lost. <clears throat> when the authorities investigated, the man was very apologetic. He could tell them, he told them he was just trying to be helpful with the oil. Their reply to his excuses, however, was simple and to the point. You were given oil for one purpose, and one purpose only, to keep that light burning. So my, the first point I want to address tonight is, people is the reason for the gospel season. And we read in, in the verse 35, as Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease, and every kind of sickness. From eternity past, God the Father had one thing in mind 
when he sent his son to this world. His church, his people. We will read in Ezekiel 34, 11 and 16. For thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I myself will seek my sheep and care for them. I will search for the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. As soon as Jesus Christ began his ministry, he started it by praying for people, calling them to follow him, healing sick people, feeding hungry people, challenging the downcast, confronting people, teaching people, preaching to people, visiting people, resurrecting the dead, loving people, and finally, dying on the cross in the place of simple people. People is the reason for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lost people in distress and downcast people, people suffering great pain or torture, severely afflicted people, harassed people, people oppressed with calamity or misfortune, scattered people, <clears throat> sinful people. Jesus said, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. He also said, for those all of the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The first verse is from Luke 5.32, and the, the second one you know, the, the John 3.16. People were always in the mind of and the heart of Jesus. It is written, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. As Jesus went about all the cities and villages, he encountered the death of human need. And he was not unsympathetic or stoic in the face of people and their problems. He knew what was in the heart of people. He came for the lost, and if you have been found by him, what do you think about people, those people you know are lost as you were? You may know someone who is lost, perhaps a relative, a member of your family, a friend, a co-worker, a roommate, a classmate, or a neighbor. Jesus did not avoid people in their needs. He, has, he had compassion, and he was full of compassion. So, the number two I want to talk about is, the first one is people, is the reason for the season of the gospel. Number two is compassion. It's, compassion is what keeps you focused in the harvest of God. Compassion is the oil that keeps the fire burning for the salvation of the lost. It's like the oil uh, that we talk about in the illustration of the lighthouse. We read in verse 36, And seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. As Jesus walked Galilee, the status quo suggested two pictures in his mind, a neglected flock of sheep, and a harvest going to waste for lack of reapers. 
Both images imply not only a very sad condition of the people, but a guilty failure of the duty on part of the religious leaders. This meant one thing only, lack of compassion. According to the illustration of the, light, of the lighthouse, lack of oil. Jesus saw the sad condition of the people, and he also saw the lack uh, of compassion everywhere. We read, we read in the previous verses, 10 to 13 of the same chapter 9 of Matthew. Then it happened that Jesus was reclining at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and began dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? That when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Now go and learn what it means, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. To have compassion means to love to be merciful, to suffer with one with another. Actually, the root comes from the, the to love with your intestines, from your inside, from your guts. Uh, I don't know if you have, you know, being in love, that uh, when I was, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I can say this word, but madly in love with my wife, now I know her like I am more conscious, you know. But I, I, was, I was once madly in love with my wife. And I, I could feel that in my, in my guts, inside of me. Uh, to have compassion means to love, to be merciful, to suffer. In Jesus Christ, in whom God was manifested in the flesh, just like us, just like me, compassion was an outstanding attribute of his character. And he thought that it ought to be extended not to friends and neighbors only or to your spouse, but to all without exception, even to enemies. Jesus expressed his compassion for the loss upon observing that they were worried and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, to lead them. And I have a question. Have you experienced his compassion? Have you experienced his love? Have you experienced his forgiveness? If your answer to this question is yes, then listen to what he says. For I have, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. John 13, 15. Jesus is the perfect model of compassion. He was full of compassion. He was always showing compassion to those in need. And he was always teaching compassion to his disciples. Wherever Jesus went, he was intentionally after the lost. And he expects those that have been found by him to do the same. We are called to be imitators of him, to be imitators of God. Another question. Do you feel compassion for the lost? Like Jesus did. Do you pray for their salvation? Do you try intentionally to share the gospel with them? 
You cannot feel compassion and stand still. Compassion is love in action. Compassion is ever-present in Jesus. In another occasion, he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. That means all, every one of them. Jesus wanted compassion to be branded in the minds and hearts of his disciples. Jesus did it by his example and by his teaching as well. In the story about the Good Samaritan, compassion is what moved him to fully care for the wounded man on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. We read in the narrative of Luke, but a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him and he saw and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him, him, sorry. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more he you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Luke 10, 33 to 35. That is, that is an expression of practical love, compassion. People are around you need practical expressions of compassion. People who have never ex experienced it. And let me tell you, most of the people have never experienced true compassion. In fact, they have experienced the opposite. Remember, compassion is loving action. About this loving action, Jesus also told the story of a father who had a prodigal son who went away from home with enough money to start a new life, but he wasted everything until he became a poor, homeless beggar and came back to his father just to ask for forgiveness. In Luke narrative we read, so he, the prodigal son, rose up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slave, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened, fattened calf, slaughter it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has become, uh, come to life again. He was lost and, and has been found. And then began, they began to celebrate. That's what the angels do in heaven when one sinner comes to Christ. Luke 15, 20-24. Just like any Christian virtue, the more you cultivate compassion, the more fruit it will render. Doubts, excuses, confusions, indecisions to develop and to express compassion, they all have an answer in the Word of God. So. You must go to God's word to add compassion to your faith. 
The more you meditate in God's word, the more you want to imitate God's character. This is what God said to the prophet Jeremiah about knowing him. Thus said Yahweh, let not a, a wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not a rich man boast in his riches, but let, let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh who shows loving forgiveness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares Yahweh in Jeremiah 9, 23-24. Our Father in heaven is full of compassion. Of course, God is love. His children, likewise, should be full of compassion. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, and the Holy Spirit orders, orders us. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3, 12. The Holy Spirit also reminds us through John, by this we know that we are in Him. The one who says that He remains in Him ought Himself also walk just as He walked. 1 John 2, 6. The lack of compassion will make you cold-hearted, indifferent, selfish. It will cause you to look. It will cause. It will cause you to look for for your best life now, and forget about the sharing the bread of life with the hungry. The lack of compassion will make you look back after putting your hand on the plow. Remember what Jesus said. But Jesus said this, said to him, No one, after putting his hand on the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9.62 The third point I want, I want to talk about is the harvest. The harvest of God is in the hands and hearts of the disciples. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. All believers in Christ have received one mission. Go and make disciples to all nations. Make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. If you have been born again, you can do it. If you are a believer in Christ, you have His power. You have His power to be His witness. It is the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. You have received a new heart, a new mind to love others. You have also received the love of God poured out within your heart. I think it's Romans 5. Um, 5.8, through the Holy Spirit who was given to you. And God has given you His Word to equip, equip you. I agree with the following. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. 
but the qualified, the new heart must be fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for you to do anything apart from Jesus. John 15, 5. To be surrendered to Jesus is to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And about any work you can do for God, Paul wrote to the Ephesians. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 So the harvest of God has been prepared beforehand for us to work in it. The harvest is the season for gathering grain or fruit. For most of us, the harvest time is of very little importance because in our complex life, we are far away removed from the actual production of food supplies. But for the Hebrew people, as for those in the agricultural areas today, the harvest is or was a most important season. There were three principal uh, feasts, we're, going not, we're not going to talk about those feasts today, that correspond to the three harvest seasons, the Passover, the Pentecost, and the Tabernacles. The disciples, we, we can say that they knew the importance of the harvest because they had to eat every day. And the laborers responsible for the harvest had to be ready to gather the fruit. Now, Jesus was referring to the harvest of the soul, and it is the present harvest that is still going on. It is the present harvest because there will be another harvest, a future harvest mentioned in Matthew chapter 13. After expressing his compassion for the people, because he knew the great need of the human heart, Jesus used the powerful image of the harvest to attract the attention of his disciples and to keep them focused in the mission they're going to be responsible for. The harvest of God is the reason for every season of the gospel of until Jesus Christ returns. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the seed, and it's his seed. The field is the world, and it's his, his field. Therefore, the harvest is his harvest. There is no greater mission than this mission. There is no greater enterprise than being part of the harvest of God. That is winning souls for the kingdom of God. This is the reason we are still here in this world. We must be patient and persevere in this labor because we have received the Holy Spirit to accomplish this mission. About the power, Jesus said to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the end of the earth. About being patient, the Apostle, Paul, Apostle Peter wrote, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some consider slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all come to repentance. Now, Jesus was referring to the present harvest of soul as plentiful harvest, as a plentiful harvest. In the book of Acts, we read about this plentiful harvest. In Acts 2.41, we read, So then, those who received his word, Peter's word, were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. In Acts 4.4, we read, 
that many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Act 13.48, and then the Gentiles, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to our eternal life believed. In Acts 8, 4, after the persecution carried out by Paul, we read Acts 8, 4. Therefore, those who have been scattered went out proclaiming the good news of the word. Persecuted Christians during and after the Reformation came to America and brought the good news here. We are part of the harvest of God. And through his harvest, he has provided salvation for us. And through his harvest, he has planned a blessing for others. Remember the, the, the promise of God to Abraham. You will, in you, all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth will be blessed. If you are in Christ, you are part of the harvest and the fields are ready. Jesus told his disciples, do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for the harvest. John 5, 4, 35. What do we need to do? Paul wrote to the, Rome, to the church in Rome. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed. How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news of good things. Romans, Romans 10, 14 to 15. So the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send our workers into his harvest. I cannot imagine what was going on in the minds of, of the disciples when Jesus talked to them about the harvest of God. They were not farmers, most of them were fishermen. They even went back to their businesses after Jesus died and res resurrected from the dead. They got distracted from their with their affairs of everyday life. And Jesus had to go back to them and bring them back to the harvest. Today, many Christians want to be part of an important ministry. And many times they get involved in a cause that seems good and attractive. But in doing so, they get distracted from God's calling. While the story of the, of the lighthouse is fictional, it makes a valid point. You can't please everyone. You can't say yes to every request. You can't meet every need. You cannot satisfy every demand. You cannot give to every cost. And what we, what, and what we, what we must do to be in keeping with God's calling. God's harvest should transform our way of thinking about people, one way or another. His harvest is plentiful. 
Others have prayed for us to be laborers of the harvest of God. You may say, oh, maybe I am just called to pray. What about if I tell you others have prayed for you to be the laborers? That's a way of thinking. And as laborers of the harvest, while we also pray for others to join us, we must not lose heart, but keep working like the hardworking farmer. A compassionate disciple of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> That's what we are. And we are, we are here, we must join Him. We must join the Lord. We live by faith. We, walk, we must walk with perseverance. We must depend on prayer, and we labor in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our mission is clear. Our goal is in heaven. Our road is narrow. Our way is rough. Our companions are few. Our guide is 100% reliable. The fields are white for the harvest, and we should not turn back. We should not hesitate in the adversity. We should not compromise in any way. We should not give up. We are merely slaves of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus' word. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Here is the final, that's in Matthew uh, 12, 30. Final recommendation from, the, from James. Chapter 5, 7-8. Therefore, be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer awaits for the precious fruit of the soil. Be patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your heart. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Let us pray for this word of the Lord.